<laughs> I'm just reading the tooting again. That's so funny. <laughs> So Gunnar, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, it's like, uh, uh, yeah, it has been a while. And uh, I was uh, talking with uh, Bob St. Clair the other day, friend of the show, mm -hmm. and uh, he was telling me about some of his uh, time and attention management tips. And I'm like, yeah, we ought to get him on the show. So, so guess what? Guess who we got on the show? Oh, who do we get? Hey, everybody. Hey. It's Bob St. Clair. Bob St. Clair. I love yeah, it. Yeah, welcome. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, so Bob, who are you? What, what do you do? Why are you here? Well, um, it, it is an honor being here. Um, I've uh, been at Red Hat uh, since 06, and um, today uh, I manage the uh, Federal Solution Architect team. Uh, when I started at Red Hat, I came. I started as an inside solution architect on the commercial team, and uh, shortly after that, I uh, joined Brian Nicholson, uh, another one of your past guests. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Hey, Bob, wait a minute. Was I your boss? It's hilarious, but uh, you were my boss. <laughs> I, I thought so. You know, there's no, there's no record of how long it was. I know you were my boss. Uh, I'm not sure if it was six months or a year or two years, but uh, you were my boss. And that's when we were about, uh, we had less than 10 SAs, uh, 10 solution architects on the public sector team. That's and right. now we have about 100. Wow. That's incredible. And I'm managing about 30, 35 of them on, under the Federal Solution Architect team. Yeah. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So you, how, how does it feel? Uh, you're, you're even a, a manager of managers now, right? I am. I have uh, three managers, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, it, it's, it's been a learning curve. It's, mm -hmm. it's my whole curve, my whole time at Red Hat has been a learning curve, and uh, I think that's probably what's made it so fun and so interesting is that there really hasn't been any one day, one week that has been the same. And I, I think one of the things about Red Hat has been we've had this uh, crazy, consistent growth for what sixty-five, seventy quarters, mm -hmm. and and so it's always an adjustment. We're always learning how to grow and adapt to the new the new size and so there's always new challenges but um certainly managing other managers has been um has been a challenge you know trying to figure that mm -hmm. out and um you know it, it's easy to to do what you do and be good at it uh it's harder to to make sure you're teaching others to be good at what you've done so it's been mm -hmm. fun yeah and i'm sure it's a matter of giving up control as well too, right? Whereas as a, a direct line manager, you know, you're managing everybody. Whereas uh, as a director, a manager of managers, you need to let go and let people, uh, let your managers express themselves and do things and set up those guide rails to um, let them be themselves, but trust them to get the work done, I guess, too, right? That's true. It, it's, um, it, it's so easy to be the firefighter. Uh, it's easy to want to grab the hose and start putting out the fire. Um, yeah. 
because that's a big part of what we all do is there's, there's always a fire and it's, it's easy to grab the hose. But I think, you know, as, as you grow in your role, you want to, um, uh, step back a little bit. You want to let other people give other people the opportunity, show them that they, that they're the ones, um, you know, fighting the fires and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's funny. I walk away. I was telling my boss, Tim Miller, um, the other day, I, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing anything. Well, he goes, you are. You just, you know, and I think it's because now I'm, I, there's a lot more a lot more meetings, a lot more conversations, a lot more setting the tone, setting direction, making sure people are connected. And, and I feel like that's what I do a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I, I really that what you said about not picking up the hose, Bob. That really resonates with me. I think in in my group we've got a we've got a saying um, that there's a fine line between fireman and arsonist. Um, and, <laughs> and, and and by that we mean you know often, especially you know once once you become kind of a, a manager or manager of managers, um, often when you intervene, there's a there's a good chance you're going to make things worse uh, by intervening, right? Either by coming in without all the right context or all the, you know, a complete set of information or taking away an opportunity, a growth opportunity for the folks who work for you. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and that's something, that's definitely something I struggle with is uh, kind of, how do you help as much as possible, uh, while still building capacity in the organization? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Always going to think about scaling, like what happens, uh, um, you know, if you're not around or how do you find your replacement or how do you, build others to, you know, to, you know, support this, uh, this great organization. Right. And it's, it's a matter of like this, again, it's like when you said that matter of scale, it's like 10 X bigger and, um, doing things that are repeatable, but also being able to, uh, get yourself out of the loop so that you're not like, wait, where's Bob we need somebody to hold the fire hose, um, you know, to trust other people to be around. So like in, in, like I think for all three of us, though, it's like we've we've built up a reputation as like being the guy holding the fire hose. Um, what are some of the the techniques that like say like Bob and we'll start with Bob, maybe go to Gunner of that you've done to um, sort of get yourself out of that critical path? Like how how have you transformed from you know like being the person that's oh yeah Bob will always do it to uh, empowering others? Um, I think. There's a couple things I do, and, and one is is to step back a little bit and is just to look at the whole situation and to kind of assess um, what's going on. And I think by stepping back a little bit, you you take some of the emotions out of what's going on. There's, there's, in this business, sales, there's um, in customers, and there's always some emotion. So to step back a little bit um, and uh, and and then ask people, what do they think? Or what would they do? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of my people, I'll ask them, you know, what do you think? What would you do? And I may have the answer, but it's not really as important for me to have the answer. I think one of your famous lines, you and Gunnar has been, it's not my, not my cheese, right? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's you got to make it uh, other people come up with a solution and, and you know, let them um, see, the, see the, the path. And uh, so that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And w- what about you, Gunner? Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's right. It, it, probably the the greatest thing you can do for folks that work for you is um, to give them the gift of context, 
Um, so that it's that stepping back that Bob's talking about the, the idea that, okay, well, you can make this, uh, you have a problem and you have this local problem, but by kind of helping them widen the aperture and bringing in more information and bringing in more context that gives somebody more tools with which they can solve the problem. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and another thing that I heard Bob's that I heard in Bob and what you said is, uh, definitely like leading with curiosity is right. This is a, it's easy mm-hmm. to come in and say, uh, okay, listen, just do X, Y, Z, and then it'll be fine. Um, mm-hmm. But without context, and also without, if you if you just tell somebody what to do, um, you haven't actually taught them anything. Uh, you might have taught mm-hmm. them something in a kind of a rote way, but you're not helping them with their decision-making and their problem-solving ability. But if you lead with curiosity, you say, okay, well, you've got this local problem. Have you considered uh, this angle, this angle, and this angle? And now, given all of that, what what are you going to do? Um, that's a, that's a kind of a common trick that I'll do. It's just, is, and it sounds like Bob yeah. would do the same thing. Um, and it, it takes time. It takes oh, yeah. time too. Like, you know, sometimes you know what the answer is. You want to go straight to the, to the resolution or the path and, and mm-hmm. start marching, but it takes time to build that consensus with your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And the, the other, the other tool that I use in my, in my very, very limited manager's toolbox is, um, is making sure that everyone understands what the what the intended outcomes are, and that's mm-hmm. not just a matter of like setting. Okay, what are you actually trying to do here? Like often that's a that's a very useful question to be asking, right? It's like, well, I need to paint this thing blue. Okay, well, why are you painting it blue? Do you know why you're painting it blue? Like, and then helping them down that path because often recontextualizing the goal will often uh, create uh, more paths or more options for you, right? Um, uh, another thing to do is, uh, in addition to making sure that people understand the outcome, is also making sure that people understand, like, well, what are the, what are the, what are the goals, what are the principles, and what are the constraints that you have on your solution, right? Um, so making sure that people understand, uh, okay, well, I need the customer to cut me this PO for two hundred bucks. Like, okay, um, can you bribe them for that? No. Okay, good. Now we have a rule <laughs> that you're working mm-hmm. with, which is you're not allowed to bribe customers, right? Um, that's a that's kind of a dumb example, but. Um, I find a lot of managing managers is around making sure that everybody clearly understands the the rules of the game that we're playing, right? And understanding why those rules are in place. And that's kind of a way of, um, that's, a, that's a really nice way of kind of building capacity in the group, right? Because that means that if the principles are clearly articulated, that means that I don't have to be in the room, right? Uh, because everybody mm-hmm. understands what the, what the constraints are. Um, yeah, so the... I, uh, it's a really great question. Um, and it does, and Bob, you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a different head flip from just like managing a bunch of directs, you know, having a bunch of individual contributors working for you. Um, as you kind of go up in the organization, you're working with a few layers, um, having clear and consistent communications down your, your branch of the tree is, uh, just super important. And so that that's the context goals, principles, um, that I find more often than not, that's kind of what I'm talking about when I talk about with, when I talk with my team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I, I learned from Bob a long time ago is it, and he has a gift for this, is getting the person to articulate what they want. You know, like a lot of times they'll just come in with their hair on fire and they, oh, the world's coming to an end, and it's like, and he'll just like catch them flat-footed with, okay, so what do you want? And it's like, what do you mean? And and it's. <laughs> And, and uh, you know, it's like, oh, this person's wrong. They should be fired or, you know, or whatever, you know. And it's like, so what, what, 
what problem are we trying to solve here? And, you know, it's like, okay, is this supposed to be painted blue or it's, or it should be painted at all? Or why are we painting this? Like what you're saying, Gunnar, is it, you know, getting them to, um, you know, think, uh, rationally in terms of like, what, what is the outcome we're driving for? It's, is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's great. That's, uh, speaking with clarity, I think it's mm -hmm. a calmness and a clarity um, because there's a lot of, <laughs> I'm repeating myself now, but there is a lot of emotion. And yeah, it's, so, it's passion. Yeah, uh, very passionate people. Yeah, um, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Gunnar, you've built up a big team. I mean, you you set a pretty good vision and, and clarity for your organization. And and how many people are in your organization? Uh, okay, inside my immediate organization, just kind of a little over what let's say it's like 15 folks, something like that. Um, but you know, once you start including all the virtual teams and the dotted lines and um, everything, I mean, the we're kind of setting the direction for, you know, several hundred people um, in, in my relatively small group. And so that was, that was actually my next question is like the, as you move up in the organization, also your, your span of control changes, um, mm -hmm. where you're not just managing your own managers, but more than likely you're also interacting with other organ, other parts of the organization. Um, which also requires kind of different skills, right? So Bob, as, as a, as a good example is as you've kind of ascended in the ranks, you now have more people underneath you, but also you're working with, um, like engineering groups and, and marketing groups and stuff like that. Right. And so have you created as that there, I imagine that there are other tools that you've had to build to go work kind of horizontally in the, in the organization. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a, you know, uh, there are many days, many, uh, weeks you, you, you're, you're still trying to figure it out. You're still trying to find what the right balance is. And, it's so easy. I think one of the, the, the most simplest thing and the most difficult things is time management and figuring mm -hmm. out how you spread your time. And, and, mm -hmm. and so it's, you know, it's, it's doing the right things for the organization. Where, where do I add the most value? And um, certainly stepping back and, you know, connecting to the other organizations is, is something that, that uh, I do and I try to do. And um, it's just, you got, you got to, for me, I got to step away from what I'm doing and, and just get a little bit of quiet time where I'm, I'm not on a on a plane or I'm not on the road in front of a customer in front of a you know uh, other other uh, team members and uh, and figure out what that what that strategy is. But there's uh, definitely a lot of work with uh, the engineering teams, uh, the BU folks, and the support folks, the services folks, um, and also our, our commercial kind of parts um, mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. And I guess um, is also a little bit of the international travel. That's, that's kind of a treat getting to talk to our, um, you know, our, our uh, DoD folks primarily. Those are the ones that reach out the most. But um, yeah, that's that's fun. That's the fun part of the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I guess that's the the twin agonies of a, of a success like yours, Bob, is um, uh, not only having to learn new ways of helping learning new ways of influencing people who don't actually report to you. So that's, that's like one set of skills, but then going in the other direction, uh, you know, your, your the curse of, of confidence is that people are asking you for advice and want you to participate in working groups and they keep, mm -hmm. you know, people are going to be dragging you into a bunch of additional work. Right. And so, True. um, you've got a lot, you, so what, uh, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about today is like, 
how do you do, how do you manage your time and how do you prioritize all of these competing? You know, you've got your reports are coming at you. You've got skip level meetings. You've got marketing wants to drag you into a meeting about Q3 budget planning and engineering wants to talk to you about this SCAP thing. And um, how do you, how do you balance all that stuff up? How do you know what to pay attention to in that kind of in that kind of swirl? Well, it's it's uh, one of the things that uh, I was talking to uh, to Dave about earlier. It, it was actually something you know pretty simple and. Um, for me, I find that there's a couple times during the year that is really good to slow things down a little bit, and that's usually around the holiday shutdown. And then, uh, and it's becoming a best practice around the holiday shut shutdown in in December, and uh, and over the Fourth of July, I actually found myself doing a little bit of organization. And uh, and one of the things that I did was I, uh, um, I, and it was partly just. Because it started because of, of the amount of email clutter I was getting, and there were so many uh, applications on my phone. There were there were um, a lot of things that you sign up for when you go to the store. You go online, you give your email address, and uh, it was a little out of control. So I, I kind of did a uh, a little bit of a, a purge, a purging of, of my phone. Deleted the extra apps. Um, I actually figured that wasn't a bad uh, way to reduce my uh, attack vector and my security profile. So uh, <laughs> I just kind of started over and I said, if I haven't used it, I don't need it. Uh, I'm going to get rid of it. And if I want it, I'll re-add it. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I, and so that was one of the things I did. And, uh, and then uh, I also decided to uh, have a, a better practice with my inbox. You guys will laugh, but... Um, I think I had like 30, 40,000 emails in my inbox and that's because they just, <laughs> <laughs> there was no in inbox 30,000. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially I was spending my time in other places, meeting people and supporting, uh, our, uh, customers and sales members, but my inbox wasn't something I was taking care of. And, and, uh, and I realized I wasn't going through, so I just, I basically took everything in my inbox over the 4th of July. I just said, we're going to stick it into another folder. And if I need it, I'll go search for it. I'll bring it back. And, and I really tried to make my inbox more of a task uh, management. And if it was something that um, I just I knew I wouldn't need, I just deleted it right away. Um, and, uh, and stuff that uh, is in my inbox now, I, I'm doing a much better job um, of just making it more for things that I want to accomplish now in a task list versus um, just a collection of stuff. So I'm trying to use that to help me a little bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, well, you know though that uh, using in uh, you don't want to use your email as a task management tool because, um, like, what I don't know where you got it from, Gunner, but you, you said that uh, email is a collaborative. Uh, uh, what task management system that anybody could add to, or what, what was that quote? Yeah, 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 yeah. Email is a uh, email is a uh, yeah. Some you got it. It was a email was <laughs> is a shared to do list that anyone can add to. Um, and so, uh, it just because email doesn't email as a system doesn't offer any real protection against your time, right? It's because. So anyone can send you an email on any topic and that email can be of any length, right? And the mm -hmm. expectation is that you're supposed to read the, you know, you're supposed to read it from beginning to end, um, which, uh, 
yeah, it makes it makes it difficult. So that's the getting things done approach, right? Which is, and Bob, I heard you use some of the language there, like um, something comes in, if it could be done in less than two minutes, do it immediately. If you don't need it, delete it, delegate it, um, or schedule it to be done later. And that's Dave, where it comes from. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the email, the email is just the inbox, and if you need to do it, then you need to go take the email and turn it into a formal task. If it's going to take longer than two minutes, it can't be delegated. Um, and that's, I'm not great at that. I find it really difficult to adhere to that rule. I mean, uh, the two minute rule is pretty easy to get. Deleting is profoundly easy. Um, delegating, we should actually spend some time talking about delegating because I find that very difficult. Um, mm-hmm. um, but the transition from email into, uh, it's hard to get your head around not using the email as a task list. Um, I still, I'm still only kind of half in if it's a, if it's a very large project, it's easy to take an email and put it on a task list instead. Um, like for me, I just forward it to Todoist and then it's, you know, and then I, I handle it there. Um, but, uh, there's always a, uh, there's always kind of a 40 to 50 email churn in my inbox of stuff that like, I really should be able to do this in two minutes. You know, I try and talk <laughs> myself into like, no, I don't, I don't need to put this on the task list. Like I can take care of this pretty quick. And, um, and it, uh, anyway, so it's a, it's a, it's a balance. It's a balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, def- I'm definitely not cured. It's a work in progress. <laughs> so now what, you're back up to 10,000 or, or what's, what's it count now? Uh, it was uh, 350 something t- uh, this morning. I said, I'm, you know, if I'm going to uh, talk on the show about this, I need some email cleanup today. It's, it's down around 100 now. So again, I'm not sure, but it's, it's much better than it used to be. <laughs> So Bob, how do you, uh, so you, you mentioned earlier that you, you, uh, that you set aside time for yourself, like away from customers and away from email and away from distractions just to, um, uh, to kind of think carefully, right. Or, or just be with yourself for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so tell me, is, is that, uh, did you figure out a way to make that easy? And if so, how did you do it? <laughs> Cause I find it really hard. I mean, you know, you guys are in real, I mean, we all have roles where people need us and, and, um, we're an important part of our organization. So I, I think that's, um, always hard, but what I do is, um, you know, I, I, I live in Raleigh and Raleigh Red Hat's corporate offices in Raleigh and, uh, I don't have an office, uh, in the, in the, what we call the Red Hat tower, but I work from home, you know, when I'm not traveling. So, for me, it's about finding a little bit of uh, um, you know time on a on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon, just a couple hours, and just kind of getting the notes together, just kind of reviewing the week or looking at the week ahead. Um, that's just normal maintenance, but and I need that. If I if I didn't do that, I, I think I would be uh, just a basket case. But um, you know, when I'm not on a plane and, and you know visiting uh, you know one of the other offices, I'll. Uh, I'll just kind of, you know, make sure I'm working from the home office and a little bit more time to, you know, get my composure back and, and think about things and think about what's important. Because um, um, I think you always need to have, at least I try to have daily goals, weekly goals. You know, where am I at? What am I doing? What's important? Because um, I think it's real easy to forget about what's important, who's important, and why you're doing it. What are you doing it for? And, uh, mm-hmm. so, um, I like to think about that and take a little bit of downtime and, um, and th- so that's, that seems to help, but it, it's just, you know, staying off the road a little bit, um, mm-hmm. 
And I, I don't think we're, uh, you know, paid to stay off the road. We're, you know, we're paid to be in front of customers and our, our sales teams and colleagues. So, um, so you know, I try to, I try to do that, uh, you know, judiciously with my time. No, that's smart because a lot of times, like you said, it's, it's, um, the value is often seen as like time in front of the customers and things like that, where having the time to actually sit quietly and collect your thoughts is actually very valuable, if not more valuable sometimes, uh, to help yourself be more efficient and, uh, you know, prioritize on, on what's important as opposed to just uh, answering the bell every time it rings. Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. You got to be good. You got to take care of yourself, right? I mean, you know, we're, um, you know, not selfish, but uh, selfless, but to take care of yourself so you can take care of others and take care of the other uh, responsibilities with, with the role. I think mm-hmm. that's important. Yeah. One thing that, one thing that I've started doing and I've, and I've, I've really enjoyed the practice, even though it's kind of imperfectly implemented is, um, uh, I know you get Dave, you're a pretty assiduous note taker. If I remember right in meetings, you're pretty good at taking notes and, and, and Bob, I think you are too. I'm, uh, I'm terrible at it. Um, but I found that, uh, setting aside time to review the notes that I make in a meeting it's a little bit like, you know how they say that dreams are your subconscious's way of sorting through your day, right? It's a kind mm-hmm, of a, mm-hmm. um, it's a kind of a, uh, a defragging of your brain, right? Um, yes. and I, f- and I'm now feel that way about reviewing meeting notes, um, even right after the meeting, right? Where I can look at the notes and kind of pull out, okay, what tasks were created there or what important decisions were made and having that kind of post-processing after a meeting, I'm finding really valuable and Bob, to your point, I think it that also forces me to slow down a little bit. Like my impulse mm-hmm, is going to mm-hmm. be like, go jump to the next thing, you know, just hop on the next call. Um, but if I right. just take the two two or three minutes and just kind of digest what just happened, get clear in my mind about kind of okay, where are the next steps, you know, what decisions were made, um, I find that uh, I end the day a lot less a lot less uh, harried, right? Uh, it's a lot less exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you keep your notes? Are you? Uh, oh uh, no. yeah, let's lay yeah, out. Here we that. go. Let's here we that. go. Yeah, here we go. All right. Buckle up. <laughs> so, have you ever heard a thing called VI? No, I'm kidding. I uh, no, I I recently started. Um, I started using this uh, journaling app called Day One, um, which is supported on a bunch of different platforms. Yada yada yada. Uh, but uh, the things that really attracted me to it uh, was that um, obviously you can capture notes, searchable. You can connect it to your calendar so that I can go to like an activity log and hit a button and then the calendar item immediately goes into the journal and then is ready for notes. So now it's connected back to the calendar so I can, you know, I don't have to like enter the time and date stamps and stuff like that. Um, It also has uh, a feature I really enjoy. Like it actually allows you to GPS tag where you were when the meeting happened, which Mm -hmm. when you take a lot of phone calls like I do is actually really helpful for memory. Um, in terms of like, oh, right, that's right. That guy called me while I was on the road from here to there. Or, or, or Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked in Baltimore about that, whatever it was. Um, I found that really helpful. Um, the, uh, the, and it allows for, you know, tagging and all, and all that usual stuff. But I found it, it's a really, it makes it really simple to enter the information, which is important. And it makes it really simple to go recover the information later. Um, the final thing I have to recommend day one is uh, the fact that it makes it really easy to add photos. And so if I'm having a meeting, I can just take a photo of the whiteboard or whatever, and it can go right into that, into the entry for that meeting. Um, so I'm sure, tra- you know, there's some people are fan of like OneNote and, 
and other stuff like that. But uh, for some reason, day one is really working well for me. I don't know. Have you ever tried? Have, what kind of tools have you tried? Is it you, you're both both of you guys are pen and paper folks, right? I'm remembering okay. this right. No, I mean, if I could do a, a Google Doc that's shared, that's my favorite way, mm. right? Where, yeah. you know, it's like for recurring meetings or, you know, so it encourages everybody to, um, you know, be, you know, helping to collaboratively take the notes instead of appointing somebody to be the, the scribe. Um, and mm. and also um, it, it encourages engagement. And then it also has a history for us to all go back to afterwards to review the meetings from last or the notes from last time and all that. Um, and it's, and by having it as one big Google doc, it's searchable. Um, and you can have pictures and stuff like that, but it's, but it's not as uh, purpose driven as say like uh, day one or Evernote. I, I tried mm -hmm. to use an Evernote. I never really got into it. Um, I, I, I don't know why, but what about you, Bob? You know, I try to keep my notes in the cloud. Um, when I'm, when I'm, you know, thoughtful and mindful and, and not too busy. But I always revert back to pen and paper because um, I, I like the extra form um, of, of input to, to remember things. And so if I'm just listening, uh, um, sometimes um, I may not retain it as well, but I, if I, I feel like if I'm writing it down, it's another form of you know, uh, stimulating the memory. And, and then I can always go back and look at the notes. I always, I always go back to pen and paper. But... Uh, if I'm smart, I'm using something in the cloud. Yeah. Yeah, that well, and that's a benefit, too. You could always have, if you have your laptop or whatever, you could always reach into the cloud and, and be able to get a hold of your notes from whatever device, and you don't have to worry about losing your notebook or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm -hmm. but I do know a lot of people like to take physical notes, and I guess there's, like, the, the act of handwriting uh, helps with retention better, I guess. I don't know. Do you remember remember the milk? Yes, that's oh, what yes. I use. Do you still use that? I do. Yeah, yeah. I tried. I tried. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of very like if you're used to the command line, um, you know, like with, uh, uh, you know, it's it's it seems to be very Unix shell like to me. Um, but I know Gunner Gunner turned me on to it and moved on to what Todoist. That's that's your thing now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm now born again on Todoist. Yeah, um, and I live in fear of that company going out of business because a non-trivial part of my life is now run out of Todoist. Um, I've got reminders for the fire extinguisher and the air conditioner, and uh, I mean, literally anything that has a date in my life is in is in Todoist. Um, yeah, and uh, and my whole backlog and my someday list and everything I'm waiting for other people on. Um, yeah, I've. I have elaborate systems around Todoist. We could probably do two hours on my Todoist tricks. <laughs> I, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, it is a, not as much work as not doing any of that, right? Um, that's the. <laughs> that's the, it's the. If I don't, it's less work. My, if you my don't memory is do it. Well, and uh, well, but eventually you, you got to remember, paper, right? It's the, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah well, that's the thing. Details, like, this, right? It's uh, yeah. My uh, my memory is not good enough. And uh, I need a tool like Todoist to kind of remind me to buy my dad a birthday present and mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. do all these you know little things that I need. And I'll tell you now that I've got um, now that I've got the Google Home famously and I've got it hooked up to Todoist, I can now just mm. be wandering around the house and see something that needs done. Like, hey Google, at actually, dang it, 
<laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I can say, ahoy computer, uh, 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 fix the backsplash in the kitchen, right? And now I know that it's going to go onto a list and it'll, and when I go through my review, it'll eventually, I'll have to triage it and figure out what to do about that. But um, mm-hmm. I'm much better at keeping it in action. My mind is much more calm now that I'm not being kind of like constantly assaulted by these, you know, little nagging things in my brain, right? I just know I can put them all yeah. into Todoist now, which is nice. Well, to me, it's it's a way to get it that clutter out of your head and, you yeah. know, just like off offboard it. But with Google, with the Google integration, do you have to say tell Todoist whatever, or does it know, like, is it like a, a I, I want to say a MIME default or whatever for tasks or, or yeah. how, how does that work? okay. All right, so now I'm rolling up my sleeves now. So okay, I'm so glad you asked, Dave. So the uh, uh, there's a t- so you're familiar with uh, ifttt. I don't, yes. Ift-t-t. Okay. Um, using ifttt, you can uh, create basically recipes for the device, and so you can say um, when I say uh, add x to y. Um, and then in IFTT, you can actually map that to the correct Todoist list. So if I say add XYZ to the list, it'll add it to my inbox. But if I say add XYZ to the grocery list, it will add it to gro- to my grocery list in Todoist. Um, mm. And so you can do a lot of really clever customizations that way. And I'm, I'm surprised at how sophisticated uh, a set of recipes you can build. It's really nice. So so Bob, what are you using for your, uh, for your to-do uh, besides your... besides your inbox well um i am using i've i've as a manager (laughs) i've uh relied on some apple products and uh uh, (laughs) you say that with say that with a little bit of regret (laughs) i just i just if i had a tail it'd be between my legs right now um (laughs) But uh, you know, it's, I've, I've used the uh, the notes uh, in in Apple because it's in the cloud. It's across all my devices, and um, mm-hmm. and like you, I've got a, a home list. I've got um, you know a, a, you know a manager list. I've got a you know other list that I keep, and um, and so I try to update that and keep a rolling list of of things that that I got to do. And I like you. Uh, I don't want to forget. There's a lot of good ideas I come up with. At least I tell myself that that these are good ideas and you shouldn't forget these things. So <laughs> I'll, I'll I want them in a list somewhere. So, um, but I, that's that's how I do it. I and uh, and then you know if I get time at the end of the week, I'll I'll look at my notes and and um, and you know put the important stuff in, in online. And um, but um, yeah, that's what I use. Nice. I've tried. And I've tried other tools. I've tried. I've tried the. I've tried. Uh, you know, we've other places to keep my. Uh, and I know that each tool is unique. Uh, whether it's a Trello board for you know keeping the, the team activities, the projects, the priorities, um, and uh, remember the milk. Um, but I find that I always go back to what I'm really comfortable with, and that is you know now it's the notes on, on the cloud, but it's it's also you know. Still, I have a, a notebook. I always have a notebook with me wherever I go. That's good. That's good. I find that the the the, the thing that determines the utility for the of the tool for me is how easy it is to get something into the tool. Right? If it's 
painful at all, if, or if there's any friction at all to, to getting information in there, um, I'm pretty, you know, that means that over the long term, I probably will not end up using it. Um, so like I know Trello, for example, I mean, there's a lot to recommend Trello, but it is pretty hard to get stuff into Trello, um, relatively speaking, right? Um, if mm-hmm. it takes more than about five seconds for me to uh, enter something in, it's, uh, uh, the, the tool ends up being a lot less useful. Right, and then getting everybody else to around you to adopt it, right? Yes, yes, yeah. for collaboration. That's a, yeah, that's yeah. that's always a challenge. Yep, 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 for sure. So that's one of the reasons why I rely a lot on um, the email integration on Todoist. And so uh, I think I've talked about this trick before, where um, you can put Todoist tags in your email, and mm-hmm. that way it, when and then, uh, so if I send an email to you, Dave, saying like, uh, hey, Dave, can you pick up a, a gallon of milk? And then I tag, you know, at DX at the bottom of the email. When Todoist receives, I BCC Todoist. And when, it, and when, when the email shows up in Todoist, it'll automatically add your tag to the task. Mm. Um, and so, and likewise, you can also put in uh, a little date formulation in the email, in the body of the email, and it will come in tagged with that date. Um, and so that makes it super easy for follow-up, right? So what I do is I send an email to Dave and then set a date and also I'll add a waiting tag. And so the, the to-do-list, the to, the to-do item will show up in my to-do list as something I'm waiting for Dave to do. I'm waiting and here's the date he owes it to me. Um, mm-hmm. and I just, I can do that without thinking about it and, uh, makes it really easy to get stuff into the tool, right? Which is again, like that. Uh, that makes it much more likely that I'm going to use it. It's about time management, right? You have a limited limited amount of time, and how do you do as much as you want to do? And um, it, it's it certainly helps you uh, with time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you put those tags in there that the recipient doesn't see them, though? Oh, the recipient can see them because I'm not giving anybody bad right. nicknames, right? So it's right. like for work, yeah. it's just like somebody's uh like you just use their username at work right so for you it's dx okay. and you know r sinclair and then um that makes it pretty easy um okay on the but so i i recently had a had an aha moment and i wanted to share it with you guys uh so uh on, on the topic of time management I, i've got a question i was recently turned on to uh task rabbit and uh and some and some similar tools which allow you to mm-hmm. uh you know go hire somebody to like run an errand for you or you know drop something off at the post office and whatever else and I found myself at this decision point where I was about to, I, I needed to get some stuff for the post office and I was on calls all day. So there was no way I was going to get there. And so I had I hired somebody to go, to go take it for me. And, you know, the person was going to work for, you know, whatever it is an hour. And I, before I hit the, hit the send button, I, I had this moment of, is it worth it? Like, is it worth paying somebody this amount of money to go do this task? And it got me thinking about like, well, how much is my time worth? And am I mm-hmm. overvaluing my own time? by paying this person, right? Is it a, is it a false economy to, to have this person do the task on my behalf? Um, and I mean, I ended up doing it mostly cause I'm lazy, but I'm wondering if, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Have you guys, have you guys, have you guys given that any thought? Like, uh, and, and this goes back to the, the manager question, right. Of like doing the task yourself versus delegating it to somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, do you guys have any thought technology for kind of addressing that question of delegation and when it's worth it and when it's not? So for me, uh, I guess probably a, a 
one like so i i very rarely do things like that where but something i do do is like i have a lawn service and it's something that just happens and i don't have to worry about it so whether i'm traveling or not you know they they cut my lawn and it's always done right and i've been using uh this these guys for 20 years and they're great um and the, the other way i think about it is that well i could save x number of you know uh, x amount of money a month or whatever and you put a dollar value on your time that's one thing but there's also the time itself that you won't get back and i know a lot of people that'll mow the grass because they like to do it and they get a lot of pleasure out of it where for me i don't i'd rather that's two more hours i could spend with the family or two hours i could be riding my motorcycle and and uh mm-hmm. when i was in mba school one of the guys i was uh in school with he said that you know there, there are two things that you'll never get back uh one is time the other one is family you know, you'll you'll never get another mom. You know, you'll never get your time back, um, and things like that. You always get more money. So, um, you know, that for me, that's that's a good litmus test. And also looking at, you know, uh, is it cheaper to you know have somebody else do it? And, um, you know, and uh-huh. that's the way I look at it. I mean, what what do you do, Bob? Well, it's it's funny. The the first thing I thought of was um, was cutting my lawn and, and painting. Um, there was a time, there was a day and a time where, you know, I used to love cutting my grass cause I, it, it was a form of exercise yeah. and, uh, and then you know, <laughs> in painting, I took great pride. Um, I've come to realize now that, um, you know, as you say, not home, you know, all that much. And, um, there are people that do it better. And, you know, there are people that can paint a straight line on a ceiling a whole lot better than I can. So, <laughs> you know, and then and then I get frustrated, I get impatient and I get mad and then it becomes a really bad experience. So, um, you know, I've I've come to accept that other people do things uh, better that they're really good at, like painting or, or the artwork. Um, and I've kind of let that go. But when it when it comes to work, I think that that's a, a bit more challenging. One of the things that I struggle with at work is, is when it's time to delegate. Um, sometimes it's easier to to pick up the hose, but it's also sometimes I hate to give somebody uh, something a task that I would think they they might think is menial or just right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, you know, it's it's really this is just kind of grunt work. I'll go do it myself. So that's one of the things I struggle with. But I think. Um, we all have done that growing up. We all have to do a lot of the, 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 the tasks that have to be done, and they're not always glamorous. So that's one of the things that I, I'm always struggling with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I know I, 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 that resonates with me a great deal, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where Well, and it's perverse, right? Because what you end up doing is, like, you end up spending your time, which is ostensibly more valuable, like, you end up spit, using your time on, like, you know, corralling the spreadsheet and, and being miserable the entire time, like it's just <laughs> relatively low value work. Like, and it's I'm like, no, this should be pushed down in the organization, right? Like that's, that's, that's how the system works. Um, but you do fit, you do have this pang of, you know, oh, geez, I hate to ask this guy to do it. And, um, maybe I can turn it into what one trick I try is like, how can I turn it into a challenging experience or like a, a growth opportunity, right? Instead of like right. a menial task, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it doesn't always work, but that's that that kind of takes the sting out of it a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was in the Navy. I'm not sure if we've talked about that before. I was I was enlisted in the Navy uh, 
uh, left Boston and you know joined the Navy. I got stationed in uh, New Orleans. Um, so that wasn't too bad for a you know nineteen or twenty year old being stationed in New say. Orleans. <laughs> there are worse places to be. Do you, get, do, you get, do you get hardship pay? <laughs> <laughs> could have been on a ship. Um, but one of the yeah. one of the things that uh, I learned um, was. Uh, one of the things I, it really made me who I am today and the way I, I work with people is that there was a, you know, in the military, there was a pecking order. And, you know, if you're an E1, E4, E6, you you have to go follow the chain of command. And, and so that's something I still respect today. Uh, one of the things I disliked was that, you know, because you were at E6, E7, whatever you were, that uh, there was a pecking order. And, and if you had uh, somebody that was more senior, um, and they weren't busy, they wouldn't help you because they were senior. They would, you know, they would always, you know, pass it down. And so it mm-hmm. wasn't always a collaborative effort. Um, and that's kind of one of the things that's, that's shaped me today is that collaboration is real important and, and no task is beneath the other person. So, um, and I know that there's a balance to that, but uh, um, definitely a, a vivid memory. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm similar where it's like you need to balance that, but I'm also not afraid to, you know, clean up a conference room after a bunch of people leave and everybody's mm-hmm. running out the door for planes, but I have time. So it's like, all right, I got this and I'll do it. And then it's you're you're leading by example too. And so, but if you're doing right. it um and then whenever it's somebody else's turn, it's like, look, you're it's not beneath you to do it. Uh you've demonstrated that you've done it. So, um then it may not feel as bad to ask somebody to help with something that may be perceived as menial, but um, you don't want to assign it to them all the time. I, I've seen, like, I've been reading a lot of uh, articles about, uh, like, women in the workplaces. I, you know, I think about Lauren and as as she goes through college and goes to start her career. And one of the things that they, um, you know, they always talk about is that, uh, number one, women get the secretarial assignments of like either being the scribe or the one ordering lunch. And so I'm hyper-conscious to that as much as possible. Um, and, mm-hmm. and then the other thing too, is that there's a recent article that I read about women volunteering for jobs that tend to not lead to better things for them. Uh, unlike men who tend to volunteer for the things that will, um, propel them in their career. So one example is that like a lot of women tend to volunteer for um, like faculty working groups at universities um, or like it, whereas that doesn't lead to a tenure track. Um, and, but mm-hmm. it does tend to be more women dominated and you know, being conscious of that, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. You know, Bob, this was really fun talking with you about all your different like tactics for time management and being a manager and all the rest of it. Um, this is really great. I really appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, and talking about all this with us. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you, you build up a lot of uh, scar tissue along the way. Um, and um, <laughs> you, you learn a lot of things you don't realize you know. Yeah, that's well put. That's really well put. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Cool. All right, well, uh, we talked about a lot of different stuff. Um, and I think we've got links to a lot of it. Um, Bob, if, if, if folks want links to some of the material that we've referenced in the show today, uh, what, what website should they go visit? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, go to dgshow.org. That's right. That's right. Easy to remember because it's your homepage. Right. Which we appreciate. <laughs> yes, and Dan yeah, Walsh's homepage that. too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. It's a CSB default as well, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. No, this was this was awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I, I also yeah. Thanks, Bob, for joining us. And I guess we'll catch everybody next time. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah.